0: you ready for the word galatians chapter three and we're going to be looking through the first five verses today let's read O foolish galatians who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth before whose eyes jesus christ was clearly portrayed among you as crucified this only i want to learn from you Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Are you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, are you now made perfect by the flesh? Have you suffered so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Therefore, he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you, does he do it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Let's pray for our spiritual meal. Father, we thank you so much for the Word of God. It's filled with the spiritual nutrients that we need. We're going to receive it by faith today and be nourished by it. Holy Spirit, we call upon you as the divine teacher to anoint the eyes, ears, and hearts of the people listening. Open them by the gift of your grace. Father, cause the people to walk away hearing from you directly with what they need. And only you can do this miracle. I believe it's happening right now. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, let's go to verse 1. Start unpacking this. Oh, foolish Galatians who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly betrayed among you as crucified. At this point, he's, uh, he's writing this letter because he's angry. You, you can tell that he's angry in this letter, not so much at the Galatians. He's angry at the te- false teachers that had come in behind him teaching legalism, pulling people away from the grace and faith message to self-righteousness, to the law. And he's angry at this point. And he's, he's, at this point, he's just exasperated. He says, oh, foolish Galatians. Look at the word oh. Let's just start breaking it down word by word. The word oh, the word oh in the Greek means it's an exclamation of a strong emotion. You'll find the word oh in the Bible. You know, there's sometimes, just going to be honest, that some of our worship music today, there's, it's filled with words like oh, 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 oh. I'm like, Really? Can we fill this in with something? And then I realized, the oh, is a Bible word. It means, to, it means a strong emotion that you're communicating. Oh, foolish Galatians. Look at the word foolish. It means not understanding. It means to be unreflecting. Some translations of this verse says, oh, stupid Galatians. <laughs> stupid Galatians. And so this is not speaking of their natural intellect. It's speaking of the level of the spiritual discernment that they're showing. They're babies when it comes to spiritual things. You know, you can't leave a baby alone. You have to pick up things around the house. You can't make sure because they can't tell. Whatever, whatever they put in their hand will be in their mouth. And that's the way with the Galatians. They're, they're babies, and they're not realizing that they were put, they're taking in poison of legalism in their life. It's destroying their, their life. And so he calls them undiscerning. This verse shows us that we can slip from our understanding of the gospel because they had gotten saved by grace. They were growing by grace through faith. God was doing miracles among them. They were doing great things among the congregation. And then false teachers came in and persuaded them that what they had was not enough. They had to add things to what Jesus did. And what specifically they said is circumcision. And then they talked about the Sabbath day on Saturday, no work on Saturday. And then they talked about the feast days and different things that you had to do to add to Jesus. And so it became complicated to them in their spiritual life. Uh, The life was being strangled out of it. And this is called legalism. We can harden our heart to the gospel of grace by focusing on ourselves. How do you harden your heart in, in a certain area? Don't focus on it. And so they, they weren't focusing anymore on the grace of God upon what Jesus did. They became self-focused. When I say they became navel-gazers, <laughs> they just started looking at themselves as the standard for being accepted by God. And so that will just bring just depression and, and uh, guilt. And so this is called legalism. Legalism produces hardened hearts towards God because it takes your focus off of God, takes your focus off of Jesus, and puts it on yourself, and it develops a hardened heart. Receiving the perfection of Christ by faith is the basis for our acceptance with God. And and really, not only your initial salvation, but everything that you do throughout Christian life should be by grace by faith, grace by faith. And so the way you got saved is the way you're going to continue. We're going to see this in this section of Scripture. And so, again, legalism puts the focus on you, and you start looking at yourself. And so this is called legalism. And when you start looking at yourself, you became a fool. Because why? Legalism really ends up with you worshiping yourself. Whatever you put your focus and attention to is what you're worshiping. And if your focus is on you And what you've done or haven't done to be right with God or God to move in your life, you end up worshiping yourself and become a fool. Tell someone, don't be a fool. fool. Amen. Receiving the perfection of Christ by faith is the basis, again, of being accepted by God and also continuing to be blessed by God. This makes you real smart if you just focus and keep your eyes on Jesus. We become foolish when we turn from faith in Jesus' perfect life lived for us and as us, under the law, and trust and then putting our trust in His perfect sacrifice for our sins, and we turn to trusting in our own imperfect life to be right with God. This is moronic. This is called spiritual stupidity. And many Christians get into it and we think, "Well, that would never happen to me. Oh really? Well, we'll we'll go on and look at some forms that maybe we're in that today. The foolish build upon quicksand. And so legalism promises quick results. You you just have to do this and do that and everything, and and then you're going to get quick results. But it ends up giving you, causes you to sink into guilt, shame, and depression because of your failures that you have in your life. And so Paul says, oh, foolish Galatians, who are these people? They are the ones in the southern region of Galatia where he's visited twice in two missionary journeys. He's left them, and now Judaizers or false teachers have come in, and they're trying to pull them away. And so he's ministering to those he had already ministered to on his missionary journeys. He says this. He asks this question. Who has bewitched you? Look at that word bewitched. Has anyone ever ever seen a show called, Well, You Sinners? I can't believe that. Well, how do I know there is a show? Um, I heard about it. Who has bewitched you? Very interesting Greek word. This Greek word means actually literally to cast an evil eye, to cast a spell by giving someone an evil eye. So, was that back in the day, you could actually look at somebody in a very negative, in a bad way. (laughs) And if someone gave you an evil eye, this would mean that you would end up feeling cursed and guilty and that bad negative consequences would come on you. And so the Judaizers started looking at and speaking to the Galatians in a very negative way to make them feel unworthy. And then they even convinced that God was giving them the evil eye. And bad things were going to happen to them because they weren't measuring up. They weren't keeping the law. They weren't keeping all the restrictions. They were having eaten bacon <laughs> on Saturday. <laughs> they were giving the evil eye to the Galatians. And they were convinced that God himself was doing so and that they were going to be lost eternally if they did not follow everything the Judaizers said. You know, legalism always deals with manipulation, manipulation manipulation is using guilt shame or fear to control someone to do something you want them to do legalism deals with manipulation and manipulation itself is a form of witchcraft when someone tries to manipulate you through guilt shame or fear they're trying to control you this is what the Judaizers again were doing to the Galatians The Judaizers were bringing Galatians under the guilt and shame because they didn't measure up to the law. Neither did the Judaizers. Many people can be controlled with fear. Did you know that? And you know when you control someone with fear, you can make someone do what they would never do in the natural themselves. They were basically telling these men, if you're not circumcised, you're going to hell. None of these men would have chosen to be circumcised as an adult Unless they were afraid of going to hell and losing their salvation. You can open up yourself to negative consequences when you receive guilt and shame and fear in your life and, and, and you think it's from God, but it's actually the door of the enemy. And so if you get into shame and guilt and condemnation, the, uh, you think it's from God and it's not from God. What it is, it's from the enemy and he'll slip in. And the enemy's not any more diabolical as when he does things in the name of God. So he'll do those things and say, well, God was the one that did that to you because you didn't live up to certain standards in your life. And so, again, this can happen. You can open yourself up to be controlled and do things you never thought you would. For example of this, there was a guy named Jim Jones in in the 70s. And he actually started a cult, and it was very heavily manipulative, very happy legalistic. And so there's certain things you had to do. You're going to go to hell, and, and certain things they did. And he just had a sway over these people, so much so. He talked them into selling everything that they had, give it to him. And he moved them all down to a, down south to Guyana, and they created a camp there. It was a very, very uh, fear-based culture of control and manipulation. And the government, our government found out about it and sent a senator down there to find out what was going on. And on the way back, Jim Jones had this guy killed. And then he somehow manipulated 900 people into drinking Kool-Aid that was filled with poison and they all died. Tell someone don't drink the Kool-Aid. So back in the day, they would cast the spell with the evil eye. But it was a common practice of that day to negate an evil eye spell. What you would do is immediately when you saw it, if you would spit, you can negate that spell. It's a well-known practice of the day. If you immediately you had to catch it immediately and you would if you spit, you could be safe from that. Do you know what? We need to immediately spit out of our mind and heart, the poison Kool-Aid of the enemy that comes in with accusations and our guilt, telling you haven't measured up, you've done this, you haven't, God's not going to bless your life, and other people come up to him and try to put guilt and shame and religion and legalism in your life, you need to spit it out immediately. Spit it out, spit it out, spit it out. But not right now. <laughs> that you should not obey the truth. The word obey and believe is synonymous in Scripture. Before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly betrayed among you. Look at the word clearly betrayed," portrayed. It's speaking of a billboard where in capital letters you would sit in the middle of a, of a, of a city square. And if you wanted to get information out quickly, you put a big billboard, a big placard. And it's in capital letters clearly for you to see and get what was being said. And Paul said, I come among you and I preached the gospel so clear. I like, put up a big billboard and there was a picture of Jesus on it. And what he did at the cross for you, he bore every sin, everything you've ever done wrong, all your guilt, shame, removed it, and then gave you a perfect righteousness, a right standing that is perfect forever, and it's given to you. And he painted a clear picture for everybody to see. And the Galatians had received that, and they all went home and they put a portrait of Jesus Christ... On their mantle and their focus was on Jesus. but then the Judaizers came in, the legalists that came in and started teaching them their fo- their salvation was depending on them. and so what he got the Galatians to do was to take the picture of Jesus off the mantle and put a self-portrait in its place. Many people are unwilling to remove their own portrait for Christ's. Ask someone, what picture' on the mantle of your heart? He says, "I showed Christ as crucified." Do you know the crucifixion was not a pretty, pretty picture to look at? But we need to look at it. This picture is a picture of what our sins deserved. Do you know the religions that we're having uh, large denominations today that don't mention sin, They don't mention the blood? They don't mention the crucifixion, the resurrection. They're they're ministering morals, a form of godliness, but denies the power thereof. If you haven't seen that, you haven't traveled a lot around the country. And so again, the crucifixion is God's sentence upon sin and sinners. Instead of receiving the death sentence upon sin, many are trying to rehabilitate themselves. You know, when you put someone on death row... Basically, you say, they are beyond rehabilitation. They must die. And God's sentence of the cross was the sentence upon man's sin, and upon man was man had to die, not not be rehabilitated. God put humanity on death row. Again, Jesus came to take our death sentence, not to take our place in rehab. Look at verse 2. This only I want to learn from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? This would what I learn of you. And so when you get into legalism, you get into pride. And when you get into pride, especially legalism, you get very prideful, and then you feel like you need to teach everybody on how to live life, to be accepted to God. And so the Galatians have gotten very proud, very puffed up. Well, Paul says, well, if you're so eager to teach me, I want you to teach me the first lesson in law university. Paul had no interest in going back to the law school because he graduated from law school. But he said, you know, if, if you think you know so much, let's go back to the very first course of law school, how to receive the spirit of God 101. And I'll sit down and you teach me, how did you receive the spirit of God? This is a basically taking them back to the point of salvation how did you get saved? In this one teaching, he's hoping to wake the Galatians up to their error and get them back into the grace of God again. Legalism makes life extremely complicated. If your life is complicated, you're like, I don't know how, I don't know how to get out of my problems. I've been trying to get out of my problems. I've been trying, to, and these, uh, I have things going on in my life. I can't seem to stop. And there's, there's, there's bad things going on, and it's just so complicated. And I'm trying to do everything. I watch TV. That's a good thing. Religious TV is a good way to complicate yourself. From one channel to another channel, seven steps to this, 10 steps to that, three steps to this. And if you'll do all this stuff, it gets very complicated. But you know what? You need to follow the kiss principle. Keep it simple, saints. (laughs) Now, you knew I was going to call you stupid. I'm not going to call you stupid keep it simple saint go back to your salvation experience was it complicated getting saved no. did you have to fast for months no. did you have to have a list of quote of scriptures that you had to quote and you had to repeat and confess to God and speak it over and over and over and over again no. then why are we doing it now there's a sickness hits our body there's a there's a financial situation we pull out a whole list of scriptures we find a book full of scriptures and we quote them at god like a machine gun rat-a-tat-tat rat-a-tat-tat rat-a-tat-tat, rat-a-tat-tat. god you said. god you said. god you said. and then but the longer it goes and you don't see a breakthrough you start screaming god you said and then god says what are you doing well i'm quoting scriptures at you and god says well i'm already convinced why are you doing that? Subtly to get God to do something. Legalism. I didn't know. It's subtle. And God will say, you're speaking in the wrong direction. I never told you to quote the word at me. I told you to speak the word to your mountain. You speak, to your, you speak the word to your situation. Do you know that your mind can be corrupted from the simplicity of the gospel? Look at 2 Corinthians eleven 3. 2 Corinthians 11, look at verse 3. Paul said, but I fear. What do you fear, Paul? I fear lest somehow, as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted notice it didn't say your spirit your spirit's already saved it's perfected it's your soul he says so your minds may be corrupted from drugs No. No. no your minds might be corrupted from the simplicity of the gospel. do you know what you know what will corrupt your mind complexity When you get your eyes on you and get into legalism, things become very complex, becomes very difficult, and the more you try, the harder it gets, the deeper you sink, and the more you get mad at God for not performing for you and what you're you're doing. You need to ask yourself when the life gets complicated, and you don't know the way out, ask yourself, how did I get saved? How did I get saved? I simply look to Jesus. There's there's only three steps to the victorious Christian walk. If you want steps, I'll give you steps. Give me steps. Okay, step number one, look at Jesus. Step number two, keep looking at Jesus. This gets more complicated. Number three, keep on looking at Jesus. When you look at Jesus, things become very simple. The simplicity that's in Christ. How did I get saved? By simple grace through simple faith. Amen. How are you going to get out of your situation now? Simple grace through simple faith. Well, you need to continue on in the Christian life the same way you received Christ. Look at Colossians 2. Look at verse 6. Colossians 2.6. How am I to walk my Christian walk? What principle should guide me? As you have therefore received Christ Jesus, leave it behind you to get on to more complexity. I'm sorry, clueless translation. As you therefore have received Christ Jesus, so continue to walk in him. How did you get saved? How did you receive the Lord? By grace through faith. You saw the finished work, and you said, I receive it, I have it, and you trusted the promises of God. How are you going to get out of your financial situation? How are you going to get out of of the health situation that you're in? You're going to focus on Jesus' finished work and by faith say it's done I receive that. Well, pastor, is there anything for me to do? Well, when you get into faith, the Holy Spirit can then whisper to you anything in the natural that you need to do in faith to release your faith to get in line for receiving. But it comes by the Spirit of God, by rhema, not by your works and trying to work it up. I want to learn of you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law? What's the answer to that? No. Nope. When did, when did he talk about receiving the Spirit? At their salvation experience. Yeah. Now, if you may think, well, maybe that's the baptism in the Holy Spirit. But back then, you received it pretty much the same time you get saved. And the minute you got saved, you received the Holy Spirit living inside you. Tell someone you're the temple of God. It's 1 Corinthians 3.16. You're the temple of the living God. The Spirit dwells in you. And so how did you receive the Spirit? How did you get saved? Was it through fasting and prayer and through works and going to church and reading your Bible? No, no, just simply Jesus. How should you continue to walk? Just Jesus. (laughs) When we get confused on how to relate to God in our present circumstance, we need to ask the same question How did I get saved? By simple receiving grace by faith. Works of the law. What are the works of the law? Works of the law is anything that you do to, in order to motivate God to supply or provide or to bless you. And unless you're perfect, you cannot receive from God that way. Amen. God is a perfect God. And for Him to legally with, with, and maintain His justice and holiness to be able to bless you, He can only bless on the basis of perfection. Amen. And none of us have been perfect. Tell someone that's especially you. <laughs> now, I'm not talking to you personally, I'm talking to your neighbor. Me and you is like this. We're friends. But 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 getting away from the works of the law. Many grace teachers today are disparaging of all works and saying all works are evil. Any works is is worth is is something that you we shouldn't be messing with. And, and Paul disagrees. Jesus disagrees that there are works that we are to do called good works. Say good, good works and works of faith. faith. We're called to works of faith. What is good works or works of faith? It comes from the empowering presence of the Holy Spirit as the resource, and it's for God's glory, and actually it actually is horizontal and blesses people. Right. Good works is not to impress God, to bless God, to give God to, to give to us. It's actually to glorify God by helping and blessing people. Look at Titus 3.8. Titus is the book of good works. Paul talks a lot about good works in Titus. The apostle of grace talks a lot about works. Look at Titus 3.8. I'm just going to pull one out. There's multiple throughout the New Testament. Titus 3.8. Paul said that this is a faithful saying. And these things I want you to affirm constantly. He's telling Pastor Timothy, I want you to constantly be talking about what I'm just about to talk about. That those who have believed in God, raise your hand if you believed in God. This is for you. That you should be careful to maintain good works. Why? These things, these good works, are good and profitable to keeping God happy so that he will bless your life. Oh, I'm sorry, clueless translation. These things, these good works, are good and profitable to who? Men. We don't do good to get good. We do good because we are good. And we're only good through Jesus. So he says, Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law Or by the hearing of faith. What's the answer to that? Yes. It's by hearing of faith. Faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the word of God. Look at the word word. There's two different Greek words for word. The first one's logos, which means the entirety of the written word of God. It's called the logos. Jesus Christ is called the word logos. Logos. And so he's the, the, the logos of the word of God. The second Greek word is rhema. That's a spoken word. It's the communicated word. It's a quickened word from the Logos. So it's a quickened word from the Lord Jesus, from his word to you, and it specifically gives you a quickening about his will in your life, and it's a promise from God for you to stand on. Faith comes by the rhema of God. Tell someone you need a word from God. Faith, the hearing of faith. Faith is a key word in chapter 3 of Galatians. It's used over 50% of the verses. You'll see faith, 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 faith. What God has provided in grace must first be heard before it can be received. It must be rhema to you. Legalism is not based upon hearing, but merely upon outward doing. And hopes to impress God for him to bless you. The law requires works of human achievement. The gospel requires faith in Christ's achievement. Let me say that again. The law requires works of human achievement. The gospel of grace requires faith in Christ's achievement. The law makes demands and bids us to obey. The gospel brings us promises and bids us to believe. Let me say that again. The law makes demands and bids us to obey. The gospel of grace brings promises and bids us to believe. Do you know the ministry of the Holy Spirit is directly tied to hearing the word of God and and receiving rhema? The ministry of the Holy Spirit is tied to the word. They cannot be separated. There's people out today called Facebook prophets. (laughs) And they're writing posts today telling you you don't need the word of God anymore. We're in a new age, and we, ha- we have the Spirit, and so we can have our own relationship with God, not be bound to a book, and so we can just have in the Spirit, just live by revelations of the Spirit. not <laughs> <laughs> I too subtle? No. The Spirit wrote the Word, yeah, that's right. and the Spirit only works in tandem with the Word. Well, Pastor, where's that? Look at Mark 16, look at verse 20. Mark 16, verse 20 says, and they went out and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word through the accompanying signs, amen. If you have a good Bible in the King James or New King James, they do a good job on putting things in italics when it's not in the Greek language. And and they'll add a a word in there to try to make more sense of it. And if they do it, they'll put in italics because it's not in the text. Well, in this verse, there's a verse in italics if you have a good Bible, and the word in italics is the word them, working with them. It's in italics. It's not in the Greek. Take it out. Let's read it again. And they went out and preached everywhere, the Lord working with and confirming the word through accompanying signs. The Spirit works with the word. Tell someone the Spirit works with the word. Many Christians cannot sense the ministry of the Holy Spirit because they're word-deprived. They're word-deprived. Verse 3, are you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, you're now being made perfect by the flesh? He began verse 1 calling them foolish, but now it's so foolish. Basically, this is the Andrew, the Andrew translation of this verse: "Is how stupid can you get and still breathe?" <laughs> to think you started out your salvation experience by grace, one hundred percent grace, and you just received it, and you went from darkness to light in a second. Went from heaven to hell. Went out. Of, you got out of the Adam's family into Christ's family like that. <laughs> Google it. Adam's family. Some of the kids are looking at me like, what are you talking about? <laughs> the greatest miracle you ever had. Was simple. Why does it need to be complex now? Like, oh Pastor, my problem's so complex. It has hair, it has teeth. <laughs> yeah, you may have it look like a hairy problem, but God can handle it. And it's simplicity, simple, simple, simple. God may tell you to do something, but usually when God tells you, he doesn't give you a paragraph. They were sinking in a boat, and Peter thought he was sinking, and Jesus said, come. He may tell you to shut up to husbands. Stop talking. You're digging yourself deeper. That never happens to me. <laughs> Are you so foolish that you began in the spirit now being made perfect by your flesh? What does it mean to, be, to you began in the spirit? Well, look at Romans 8.8 8 and, uh, and then Romans 8.9. It talks about those that are in the flesh and those that are in the spirit. Who are they? Romans 8 8 says, so then those who are in the flesh cannot please God, but you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. Raise your hand if the spirit of God dwells in you. According to this verse, you're not in the flesh, you're in the spirit. What does it mean? That means you're born again by grace through faith and have the spirit of God on the inside of you. You're in the Spirit. And there's teaching out today that you have to keep in the Spirit. It's called being in fellowship. And when I was growing up, they taught me you have to stay in fellowship with God. And if you sin or mess up, you the lights go out. And then you're in darkness until you can somehow get the lights back on by telling God everything you did wrong. Well, Living that way, I guarantee you, is an impossibility. Yeah. Trying to remember everything you ever did wrong. You know sin is not just things you, you've done and you know about. Sin is things that you, that's against God that you didn't even know about. Did you know that, that you, there's sins of omission? To know to do good and not to do it, that's sin? Do you know that, that if you, whatever's not a faith is sin? Yeah. We're in sin more than we think we are. And there's a teaching out that you have to confess every single one of those to stay, keep the lights on. And if the, if the lights don't stay on, you get in darkness, The God's going to curse you and hurt you. No. You know what? I had a testimony when I, I strayed from the Lord and got out of fellowship with the Lord. Do you know what? God still blessed me. He still blessed me. And I remember I was, I was, a, I was out, really far away. And there was a, 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 a girlfriend that I had. Sorry, honey. And she, got, she was going in through seizures. And I, I hadn't taught, prayed. I hadn't read my Bible in years. year. And I was just so far away in college going to bars every night. And so she, would, she had seizures. And I didn't know what to do. I said, Jesus, help. And all of a sudden, it stopped. She goes, What happened? You know, if you accept Jesus Christ, you're in the spirit Amen. and you never get out of it. And when you stumble and make a mistake, you do it in the light. Amen. Now, am I saying that, that I'm against admitting to God when you do wrong? No, no, you're in a relationship with Him, your relationship with your spouse. And when you do something to hurt them, you acknowledge it and say, I'm sorry that, and I'm going to do something different. Well, sin hurts your relationship with God. You say, God, I admit I'm doing wrong, and and I'm going to turn. I'm going to turn away from it, but it doesn't cause God. What I do is not causing God to forgive me or bless me or do anything else. He only responds on the perfection of Jesus Christ. Because you get off in your own performance, it's imperfect. And you're a yo-yo Christian, up and down, up and down, in and out. I'm close to God. I'm not close to God. Now, as a Christian, you can be in the spirit and walk according to the flesh, but you're in the spirit, born again. Are you now made perfect by the flesh? You were made perfect in your spirit when you got saved. That's called justification. Now we're walking out a process called sanctification in our soul. That's a process, but both operate in the same principle, grace through faith, grace through faith. Are you made perfect by your flesh, your works? To be right with God, we must be perfect, but your flesh can never pull it off. Jesus pulled it off. Jesus pulled it off. And you need to rest on his shoulders. There's a a story of a famous story of a tightrope walker named Charles Blondin. And in 1859, he stretched a rope from one side of Niagara Falls to the other side of Niagara Falls. And he walked across the rope successfully. And then he walked back and said, I'm going to do it blindfolded. He walked back blindfolded. The next time he told him, I'm going to walk across it again. And he took a chair with him. And in the middle, he sat down and sat in the chair and had a meal. Got up and walked around the other side. And he says, now for the coup de grace. Can I have someone to volunteer? <laughs> Be careful to volunteer. And this man got on his shoulders, and this man carried him across Niagara Falls. Can you show a picture of that? Now, you'd have a tendency, if your life's at stake, there's no, he did nothing with, a, with any nets, if your life is at stake, you would try to help this poor guy across the way. Right, let me help you balance. <laughs> no, no, don't. Anything you do is not helping. Rely on the one that's able to carry you safely. Yeah. Stay on Jesus' shoulders. Rest in his word. Because I know you have some scary situations. You think I'm going to die if I don't do something to fix it and I try to take care of myself. No, no, no. Stay on his shoulders because he's done it already and he can take you through today what you're going through. Verse 4 Have you suffered so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? What did they suffer, these Galatians? Persecution from legalists, from Jews, from the Judaizers. They were persecuting them, and the very people who had first persecuted them, the Galatians now, had joined their side. And we're trying to fit in with them. Often those who come out of legalism are persecuted by those that are still in legalism. It's important who you hang around. In the book of Hebrews, the saints had endured a great fight of afflictions after they were first illuminated. That means after you got saved, you had a great fight of afflictions. That's Hebrews 10.32. And it's called persecution. They went through trial after trial after trial, but God brought them through by grace. God brought them through this trial by grace. God brought them through that trial and that trial and that trial. And now they're facing something now where they're they're willing to chunk it all in. To give up on God, give up on Jesus, give up on grace, give up on faith for for what they could do. You know that can happen. I see so many happen that to Christians that they can make it through trial after trial after trial after trial, and God blesses them and gives them grace after grace, financial miracles, healing miracles, and then they get to a situation that's a hard situation, and they're ready to chunk it all. Maybe not their salvation, but I'm just not going to trust the Word anymore. I'm not going to talk the Word. I'm going to trust the Word anymore. I can handle it. Famous last words. I'm speaking to someone. You're ready to chunk in your, your Christian experience because things you don't know what's going on right now. It's difficult. And God saved you, took you out of hell, brought you into heaven from darkness to light. He's healed you. He brought your marriage together. He's brought your kids together. And now this thing, this small affliction, you're ready to chunk it all away. I'm speaking to someone. You're ready to just leave church, leave the Bible, stop reading your Bible, and just stop. Well, God's not going to stop on you. Was it in vain? You need to ask this, your question yourself. We have, we've, we've had trials come in our life, but are you willing to throw it all away? You've come this far. Just think about how far you've come. Think about before you were saved. Think of your life, how far you've made it. And you're ready to throw in the towel and quit? If indeed it was in vain. The Galatians had not gone too far into legalism that they could not have been reclaimed to the truth of grace. God is very patient, say very patient, with us in our wanderings, and even when we seemingly are faithless. Second Timothy three two thirteen. Can you put that up there? Tell someone God's patient with you. Now tell someone else God's really being patient with you. I'm sorry. Second Timothy two thirteen. That's a good verse, you might want to, yeah. If we are faithless, he will reject us. Oh, I'm sorry, clueless, Chandler. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. He cannot deny himself. You're you're in union with him, you're one with him. He ain't giving up on you. I don't care what it looks like. I don't care what it feels like. I don't care how much you think you're filled with faith or not faith. You have faith. You may let God down, but he's never going to let you down. Don't throw in the towel. All you're going to do is you're going to walk according to the flesh and have negative consequences and let the devil beat you up. Don't leave church because of Sister Bucket Mouth or Brother Flip-A-Lip. Verse 5, therefore, he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you, does he do it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? He, who's he? That's God. That's God. Supplies the Spirit. Look at the word supplies. Love this Greek word. It literally means to outfit the choir, to outfit the choir. Well, where'd that word come from? Well, in the ancient world, that the days they were living in, they didn't have TVs to entertain themselves. They didn't have movies to go to. They had plays they had, theatrical plays. And so they had troops that would travel from city to city with their plays, and it's quite expensive. There was very ornate uh, costumes and an entire choir to sing, and they had to outfit this choir and outfit the theater, and and so they would run out of money. And so they wouldn't be able to continue on from city to city, and where's my entertainment? And so businessmen of the day started bidding in the honor of sponsoring the play in their city. And rich businessmen would bid for the highest bidder would win. And finally, so much money was, was the winning bid, it was, it was a gross overpayment for the need. It was a lavish supply to outfit the choir. This is the kind of supply that God gives you of the Spirit. It's lavish. It's more than you'll ever need. It covers everything. It overwhelms it. It's a supply of God's Spirit. And you know, he's still outfitting the choir today. If you'll praise God and worship him in the midst of your problem, he'll supply the choir. It says, Therefore, he who supplies the Spirit to and works miracles. Say, works miracles. works miracles. God is the one who works miracles through the hands of people. Amen. Here it means God worked miracles among them through Paul. Paul did mighty signs and miracles. God did through Paul. But did he do it by the works of the law? The answer is? No. You didn't earn it. You didn't deserve it. Amen. You held your mouth just right confessed everything just right you gave in the offering didn't forget your tithes you showed up to church and you loved people surely God will work a miracle for you no you're you're the one getting in the way of hindering him from from doing a miracle you don't deserve any miracles from God Jesus does and he'll give it to you for free There are some Christian legalists today that teach that if you'll observe Jewish feast days or rituals, you'll get closer to God, and God will do a miracle for you. Oh, yeah! All. It's all—it's in the body of Christ. Wherever you, there's almost in every church, there's people that want to go back to the Jewish roots, and then they'll get the prayer shawl, and they'll say, "I just feel so much closer to God when I have my prayer shawl on." <laughs> Hold on a second. You're just saying that your prayer shawl draws you closer to God? There's only one thing that draws you closer to God. What brings you nigh is the blood of Christ. Not a prayer shawl. Many people say, well, we need to do the Seder meal, the Passover meal. And if you'll observe that meal, God will give a special blessing and a miracle in your life. Do you know that Seder, we've had the Seder meal before. Do you know every part of that speaks of Jesus? So I'm not against you wearing a prayer shawl if you want to honor your roots or whatever. It doesn't make you more holier. You can partake of the Passover meal, but if you recognize everything was Jesus in it, that can bless you, but it doesn't make you more holier because you do that. So by trying to observe certain days and rituals and things to obtain special blessings and miracles and movings of God in your life okay I'm going to take it down a little lower you're watching Christian television and a preacher gets on if you'll sow a thousand dollar seed your loved one will come to Christ right now call while the water's still flowing of course we'll replay this over and over again oh hear the Lord the windows he's given more time there's more time for you to get in on your miracle. <laughs> well, I know I, I know, people that God blessed. But you know why, why someone that would work? It's because they actually trusted Jesus. It was a point of contact. Right. It wasn't the money that did it. It was the faith that they released that God supplied my need. Amen. It's through faith. Amen. So did God move in your life and perform miracles by the Spirit? By the works of the law or by the hearing of faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the rhema of God. A quickened word from God. I'm going to open my heart and tell on myself and I'm going to close it because I don't know all of you guys. I was an addict for many years in the Christian life. Yeah, I had an addiction to formulas. I was in a situation where I looked at God, and God gave me a principle from the Word, and I put it into work, and it marvelously worked. I said, oh, I found it. The key that I can work whenever something hits my life. I can use the key. But every time I would try to use the key afterwards, it wouldn't work. And then God would show me a new principle. Oh, and I put it into practice, and it worked. But then I tried the next time to use it and to keep using it, keep it, and it wouldn't work any longer. See, God's not into formulas. He's into relationship. Yes. You can train a chicken to get a corn to pop out by, pluck that button, pluck that button, corn come Pluck that button, pluck that button, corn come pluck, 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 pluck that button, pluck that button. Tell someone you're not a chicken. You need a fresh word from God when you have a new trial. Stay, stay fresh with HQ, H quarter, headquarters. Kenneth Hagin tells a story about he got a phone call late one night after he was ministering, and his wife said, Aretha said, uh, "Your daughter Patsy is very sick." Will you pray for her? She wants you to pray for her. And he says, no, not now. No, not now. But daddy will. Daddy will call. And he hung up. So he went and opened his Bible, and he, he went to some scripture verses on healing, and he, he meditated on them for about an hour. Then he, then he went to bed and woke up, set an alarm, went up, got up the next hour, meditated over those scriptures, over and over, meditated on them. Didn't quote him at God, he was just meditating on them. Went to bed, got up, meditated, meditated, meditated. went on. And all of a sudden, one of those scriptures quickened to him, and the spirit says, she's healed, call her now. So he picked up the phone, he says, can you put Patsy on the line? Patsy comes, little Patsy comes up, and says, Daddy says you're healed in Jesus' name. Thank you, Daddy. Hung up, she was healed. <laughs> he could have just pulled a scripture out of the word, his memory banks. Or some principle that he's learned. But no, he went in and opened up his heart to hear from the Lord. To get a rhema from God about his situation. And when that rhema came, that's when, when he released his faith, that's when the healing took place. Tell someone, you just need a word from God. You don't have any problems. All you need is faith in God. What got you saved is what will carry you through today. Look at fast last verse, 1 John 5, 4. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world and everything in it that you're facing. Even our faith in his rhema. Bow your heads. Father, I thank you so much for the word of God. I thank you, Lord, that you've given us a relationship that's stable based on Jesus' perfect righteousness, not our works. And that you will supply the Spirit to us and work miracles among us, not because we earn it, deserve it, do everything right, keep from doing everything that's wrong, but simply by what Jesus did in perfection for us. Are you resting on Jesus' shoulders? Or are you trying to balance your own life? Just put your arms around Jesus. Wrap yourself up on him. And fully trust in what he did for you is enough to bring you through what you're facing. And if he needs it to say something to you, he will. But it's only in a place of faith with the spirit where you're trusting the word. Can the spirit speak to you? And you say, Pastor, pray for me. I realize I'm going to stay resting on Jesus' shoulders through this trial, and I believe he's going to carry me through, and it's not going to be because of my works. Raise your hand if that's you. Father, I thank you. We release the grace of God in their lives. A supply of the Spirit's released to you right now to break through. A miracle is being worked in your life right now by grace through faith. In Jesus' name, amen. I grew up in my life uh, being labeled as sort of the black sheep of the family. I think some of you might have been had, holding that same label, being the black sheep of the family. And I asked the Lord one time, I said, Lord, why am I the black sheep? And he responded to me and he said, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't have any black sheep. All my sheep are as white as snow. And he said, because you put your faith in Jesus... When I look at you, I don't see your faults and your shortcomings and your sins. I see Jesus. I see the perfection of Jesus. I see the flawlessness, the blamelessness, the spotlessness, the sinlessness of Jesus himself because he lives inside of you. And so hope that encourages you today. He doesn't have any black sheep. All of his sheep are as white as snow. As you have heard it said, speak to your mountain. And this is so. However, the mountain you need to speak to is not your circumstances. The mountain you need to speak to is your heart, the beliefs of your heart. As you speak my truth to your heart, my truth will be established in your heart. Once my truth is established in your heart, circumstances will align according to my truth. For out of your heart flow the issues of life. As you have received my truth... Me, so you will walk.